You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon for part two of our coverage on this year's International AIDS Conference. Welcome again, John. Thanks, Mariana. Happy to be here. So, John, last time we talked about a few of the new studies that were out about PrEP. What are we covering this week? Yeah, so this is the part two of the update. And, um, this week, I'll highlight a few studies that were covered at the meeting that looked at HIV treatment. Um, nothing really guideline or earth-shattering here, changing, uh, but some of the studies I think are, are of interest for people who um, who wanted to know you know, some of the key data from the conference. The first thing I'll cover is the NAMSAL studies. So this is... Um, just a few points. So um, just by history, uh, this is from the World Health Organization guidelines. In 2015, uh, if you recall, both Dutegavir plus 3TC-TDF and low dose of Favarin's 3TC-TDF were listed as alternative rather than preferred regimens due to some of the limited use outside of clinical trials. And really, I think the big issue was the unknown safety in pregnancy in persons with HIV who had TB uh, who were on rifampin. So what the NAMSAL study did was to compare these two first-line regimens in real-life conditions in low- to middle-income countries. And basically, it, uh, some of the previous results on week 48 showed very good numbers. Um, and then the week 96 uh, outcome also confirmed that. So this current analysis looks at the 192-week safety and efficacy data, again, looking at Dutegavir plus 3TC TDF, which is essentially Truvada, but it's 3TC, not, T, not FTC, and then a Fabrins plus 3TC TDF. Uh, Favrin's dose at 400 milligrams. Again, this was done in ART naive adults, viral loads greater than 1,000 copies, um, 613 patients randomized one to one. So basically, um, uh, a couple of things that I think were important here. Uh, first of all, if you had a high viral load of baseline, if your viral load was like greater than 100,000 at baseline, clearly, though you take it, did better than a Favrin's 400 milligrams. That The p value is not reported, but you know, you can. You can see that there's there's definitely um, uh, much higher numbers in, in the percentage of people got undetectable on dolutegravir versus fabrins. So you know obviously dolutegravir also achieved faster virologic suppression. So um, uh, time point wise um, by week 48, and then um, the patients who were on the fabrins who again had viral loads less than 100,000 had a less durable virologic response. Um, it was 84% at week 48 and 77% at 192 weeks and. Uh, both dolutegravir and 3TC-TDF and the low-dose 
400 milligrams um, uh, plus 3TC TDF. Both were effective in, for in safer treatment, naive persons living with HIV. The caveat was those patients with greater than 100,000 copies where, where dolutegravir did better. So higher rates of virologic suppression uh, uh, with versus efavirenz, dolutegravir versus efavirenz over time, Again, especially with those with those patients with with high viral load, so I think that's really the most important thing. Um, the other piece that's interesting here is also the weight gain. So this is a nice look at kind of like two comparators, right? Trying to figure out what how much weight gain in dolutegravir versus favarins, which again, a lot of that is controversial. But um, when they looked at weight, significantly more weight gain was found in the dolutegravir arm uh, versus the favarins arm, and then in particular also for, for women. So if you remember the advanced study and some of these other studies, which I've looked at, at weight gain uh, with second generation integrase inhibitors compared to non-nukes, the, the integrase inhibitors have, have definitely caused more weight gain. And this is consistent again with this NAM cell study as well. John, what can you tell us in terms of new information on two drug regimens? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, again, I, I'm a little bit older than some of the than some of the people who might be listening to this podcast today. Uh, but you know, I've always been historically been a fan of three drug regimens. But two drug regimens are more and more popular nowadays, and I think we have a lot of uh, evidence to suggest that these are these are okay. So this is some data on the dolutegravir three TC regimen, which is Dovato uh, commercially uh, in the U.S. at least, and this has been looked at in various populations. But these two drug ARTs they do help address some adherence challenges with some of the standard combinations. And it's also endorsed as initial ART as a switch option for patients who are virologically suppressed. And it's on the current regimen, uh, current uh, guidelines from EACS and the US guidelines as well. So the initial results, this is the simple, simple HIV week 48 results showed non-feriority of switching from standard combination ART to WTEC or FTC um, uh, versus continued standard combination ART in virologically suppressed patients. And basically this current data looks at 144 week efficacy and safety results. So again, remember these are all virologically suppressed adults with viral loads undetectable for at least 24 weeks on standard combinations, no integrase resistance, no hepatitis B, and then they get either randomized to continue their standard therapy or to switch to dolutegravir plus FTC. And based on characteristics were very similar, um, the vast majority of people were on either an integrase or a non-nuke-based regimen uh, prior to the switch or maintained on that uh, in a small percentage of patients. Only like 5 or 6% were actually on boosted PIs or other alternative regimens. So anyways, bottom line here, Mariana, so they found that switching from the standard combination ART to WTIC or FTC was non-inferior to continuing standard combination ART in these patients who were virologically suppressed. And again, this is the 144-week data. Quality of life was similar in both groups. Weight changes from, from baseline were not clinically significant. No new safety signals. Uh, and I think really just tells you that the WTEGAVIR FTC worked just as well as the standard ART treatment. And it's not a surprise. This is what we would see with other data uh, with WTEGAVIR 3TC. So again, this is WTEGAVIR plus FTC would be almost identical to what you would see in Dovato. So I think it's just another example of another switch study that seems to work with patients if you have them suppressed they get switched to a two drug regimen and they maintain their virologic suppression, assuming that they continue to take their, take their medications. Was there any data on HIV, HBV co-infection presented? Yeah. So this is a good one too. I think most of us realize that TDF, FTC and TAF, FTC all have activity against the vast majority of isolates for hepatitis B. 
However, there really hasn't been a systematic study that's really looked at this and some of the combination pills. So what the Alliance study did was to, um, uh, to look at, um, at basically TDF or TAF-based ARV regimens plus CTC or FTC as a nuke background, backbone in combination with either BIC or Dutegavir. So the current study compared BF-TAF, so it was BIC, TDF, FTC, and they compared that to Dutegavir plus FTC, TDF. These were treatment-naive persons who were co-infected with, with HIV and hepatitis B. Um, yeah. And how was that study conducted? Yeah, so that's important too. So this is randomized, Mariana. Um, both uh, placebo-controlled uh, phase three study stratified by E antigen positive versus negative hepatitis B um, DNA is greater than or less than eight log CD4 cell counts less than or less greater than or less than fifty. So these are all patients with with co-infection, treatment naive for both um, for both HIV and Hep B. Viral load for HIV over five hundred copies. Viral load for hepatitis B over two thousand copies. And again, so sensitive to FTC and tenofovir. EGFRs were good. Baseline information is is, is kind of very similar uh, when it comes to age, sex, race, BMI, et cetera. They were all kind of very similar. Uh, only about a third of the patients had viral loads greater than 100,000. T-cells were around 240 to 250 range around into there. Um, a small percentage, only about, um, uh, there were 38% of patients uh, had uh, CD4 count less than 200. So again, this is kind of typical what you would see today. So bottom line here, what do, what do they show? And I think the bottom line is, is, is uh, if you compare the two regimens, there's significantly more participants. And these are some interesting findings too. I just want to pause. I think most people probably think that this is going to be, who, who's going to care? Hepatitis B is going to be the same. It's going to be treated. There's not going to be a difference. But they did sh uh, show some differences here, which are interested. Interesting. Um, significantly more participants receiving the BF-TAF versus the WTEGAVIR FTC we, we, uh, achieved hepatitis B surface antigen loss at week 24 and week 36. Both were statistically significant. Uh, H, uh, hepatitis B E antigen loss at week 36 as well was also statistically different. Zero conversion at week 36 and 48 was also statistically different. Higher rates of ALT normalization in the BF-TAF arm versus WTEGAVIR TAF FTC. That was at week 12 and 24. Larger mean a hepatitis B decline with, with uh, BF-TAF versus WTEGAVIR-TAF at week 12, but the mean decreases uh, statistically similar at the other time points. So from HIV, so from HIV, H, hepatitis B standpoint, it appears that the, the BF-TAF seemed to work better to kind of clear surface antigen uh, and also E antigen for people who are co-infected with hepatitis B. Now, the question is why? I mean, is, is there something different with the FTC TDF or FTC TAF, um, the TAF seems to work better, right? So the FTC TDF that's being used with Dutegavir, the TAF seemed to work better for hepatitis B, which I think is, is, is a key point. So um, from an HIV standpoint, if you look at through week 48, three patients in the BF TAF arm, four patients in the Dutegavir FTC TDF arm, met criteria for resistance testing and NRTI, NRTI resistance was only detected in one patient and no, nobody in the BF-TAF arm had resistance. So again, very similar to what we'd see in typical uh, typical uh, studies of integration inhibitors. In the Dutegavir FTC-TDF arm patient, um, the mutation was K70E. It was detected at week 424, and then the M184V slash I at week 36. 
and then the patient resuppressed by week 36 and was subsequently lost to follow-up. So consistent with other data sets, integrase resistance was not detected uh, in either study arms. Um, adverse stroke reactions were similar. Patients did, did, did pretty well. So the bottom line here, I think I think we would just basically say that um, from an HIV standpoint, the drug, the the, the HIV regimen seemed to be very similar. Um, but uh, with respect to the percentage of people who got um, to undetectable from an HIV standpoint, very similar. But uh, the BF-TAF, big tegavir TAF FTC was superior to W-Tegavir FTC TDF, 63% versus 43% with undetectable hepatitis B viral loads, um, viral loads at, um, at 48 weeks. So that seems to be the big, the big crux here. So say, uh, associated uh, with higher rates of uh, hepatitis B E antigen and serial conversions as well versus WTECAVIR FTC TDF. And I think the safety was probably comparable between the study arms. So bottom line, the story here is basically BICTECAVIR, TAF, and FTC versus WTECAVIR plus FTC TDF right? So the older version, the, the BIC-F-TAF did better from a hepatitis B standpoint. HIV-wise, really no difference, but it seems to be a more rapid clearance of hepatitis B in these patients if they're on the TAF containing BIC-Tegavir, TAF-FTC versus those who are on TDF-FTC plus W-Tegavir. So again, I don't know if this is going to make a big difference in what we're doing for patients. I think a lot of us probably are not using FTC-TDF as much anymore anyways, but um, I think I think it does support the role of TAF in some of these combinations uh, for for hepatitis B for patients who are co-infected um, with hepatitis B and and HIV at the same time. So as we begin to wrap up, what else do providers need to know about the AIDS twenty twenty two conference? Okay, so the last one I'm going to cover, I'll cover it quick, and this is the Andy study. So many of you may be aware of this, but you know they looked at. Uh, so if you can think of Dovato, right? You have WTCAVIR 3TC. There's also some data on Darunavir, Ritonavir with 3TC or 3TC TDF. And as background, these some of these three uh, drug regimens, well, while they're standard of care, a lot of people are using some of these two drug regimens. So this one looked at Darunavir, Ritonavir plus 3TC. So again, a boosted PI with Ritonavir uh, plus lamivudine 3TC. And this basically showed um, some non-inferiority in some older studies like the Jacida study and some other ones. So the Andes specifically looked at um, Darunavir-Ritonavir fixed-dose combination, and again, this is XUS, with either a 3TC or 3TC-TDF. So it's basically comparing a boosted PI with either uh, 3TC alone or 3TC plus TDF, and is there a difference? And essentially what they showed, very similar background uh, for, for all the patients, very similar baseline characteristics. Um, for patients with higher viral loads, um, Really, really no difference. Percentage of people got undetectable, a little bit of a difference, 93 versus 91, where the triple therapy did a little bit better than the other one. Again, not, not a huge statistical difference here. Um, cholesterols were definitely, uh, changes in cholesterol were uh, were less in the patients on TDF. Remember, TDF lowers cholesterol, so that's why you're seeing that in that arm. So the bottom line here, ARTT initiation with the generic fixed dose combination, Darunavir-Ritonavir, plus 3TC was shown to be non-inferior to the generic fixed dose combination Darunavir, Ritonavir, plus 3TC, TDF at 48 weeks. So basically for treatment-naive patients, you know, could you just get away with a Darunavir, Ritonavir, 3TC as an option and not use the TDF? And, and very similar to what we see in a lot of the other studies, this seems to be a potential option. Um, Non-inferiority uh, margin was met 
for less than 50. Uh, but in the patients with, with baseline bar loads of greater than 100,000, that non-inferiority criteria was not was was not met. Very few biologic failures in either treatment arm, and the dual therapy was, was well tolerated. So that's kind of it from the conference. So this one really, we have the Andy study. We have some so, some of the data on the the um, uh, I think the most important one here is probably that uh, the the co-infected alliance study, and you also have the um, some of the two drug dolutegravir. Uh, FTC regimen as well, and all of those really kind of did well for well for patients. So that's pretty much it for for the for the conference. There's more definitely more things that were that were presented there. I encourage you to take a look uh, at some of it. Uh, there's also some data on some a couple more cures uh, for for HIV that are out there, which I encourage you to take a look at. Kind of similar stories to what we talked about in the past, but uh, more to come next week on some other topics not related to the conference, but other topics on our podcast as we move forward. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about the treatment studies presented in this year's AIDS 2022 conference. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about NICA AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nicaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nicaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nicaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.